the wall fell flat. Now, you can go to our website, Lakeway Online, go to uh, get the app or Facebook and listen to any of the past messages. But I shared with you three lessons, and I just want to go over those real quickly for you. If you want to build something worthwhile, it's going to take hard work and endurance. If you want to live in faith, rather than just have faith, and there's a big difference between having faith and living in faith. Living in in faith is when you put your faith in action. If you want to live in faith, it's going to take hard work and endurance. That's why Jesus said so many times, if you want to follow me, take up your cross. Die to yourself. They weren't mushy, light words. They were pretty harsh words. It's going to be tough. If you want to be my follower, think about what it means. So if you want to live in faith rather than just have faith, it's going to take hard work and endurance. Second lesson, for your good work to stand, you must take your time and listen to wise instruction. You can't just rush ahead. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in the the word. You need to be in Bible study. You need to be in church. You need to be listening to the great crowd of witnesses that that God has surrounded us with. The third lesson for your work not to come tumbling down, it's got to be tied to something bigger. AKA, Jesus is not looking for you to begin a new work. He started a work 2,000 years ago. Actually, further back than that, he started a work. And he invites you to join him on his work. So whatever your work might be, it's part of a bigger work, and it needs to be tied into the work of Christ that he is doing through his body, the church. Now, I love the idea of of taking ground. But typically, you know, you you talk about taking ground, and and there's this idea, woo-hoo, let's charge ahead, let's take some ground for Jesus. Yeah, baby. But I want you to think about something. Jesus lived on the earth for 30 years before he began his ministry. What was Jesus doing for 30 years before he began his ministry? He was listening. He was listening to his father. He was learning. He was learning to be patient, amongst other things, learning to wait on God, watching, preparing, listening, waiting for his father to say, now, now is the time. And I love the way the scripture says it, at exactly the right time. Jesus was revealed. So in a similar manner, as we seek to take ground this year, we're going to start out slow. We're going to start with some building blocks. And the first building block that we're going to talk about today is one that I often talk about because it's core, it's central to what it means to have faith, and that is love. But I'm going to come at it from a different angle because typically when we talk about love, what's the passage of scripture we go to? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love others as you love yourself. That's where we go, right? This morning, I want to talk about God's love for us. I want to talk about the other side of that coin. God's love for you. Let me show you why this, this is an absolutely crucial building block to living in faith and, and taking ground. It's like courses in a wall. That's what they call the layers, okay? Courses, that's the proper, the name. The first course in this walk of faith is God's love. That's where it begins. Everything else builds on that. The more you know God's love for you, the more you're going to trust in his promises for you. 
The more that you trust in God's promises for you, the more you will be prompted to obey God's commands for you in obedience. As you obey God's commands for you in obedience, you know God's love for you. And so you end up back at where you started, but you've taken ground. Now you're four courses further up than you were at the start, but you're back to God's love because God is the beginning and God is the end of it all. He is the one that gives us the power, but it's all possible through Christ's grace. It starts with him. It ends with him. We love because he first loved us. So let me tell you a little bit about God's love. God pursues you with a love relationship. I love, <laughs> I love the way the Holy Spirit works. So we hadn't been in communication and, and each one of those songs this morning to me spoke into this message and God's love his wonderful pursuing love so back to this scripture he pursues us so we keep on praying for you asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call well God's first call on your life is a call into a love relationship with him that is step number one I don't believe it's put any better in the scripture than in Romans chapter 8. This is Paul writing and beginning in verse 35. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. This is powerful. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Quick story for you. Many, many years ago in my misspent childhood, I got into a big fight. I was, think I was about 10 years old. And uh, I got into a fight. We were at camp. I was in detention at the time. <laughs> Snuck out of detention to get in a fight. <laughs> and I had this fight with this guy from another school. He was older than me. He was bigger than me. And um, he pummeled the living daylights out of me. <laughs> I mean, I remember lying on the ground. Both my eyes were swollen and black. I was literally seeing stars and it was not a good thing. Can you imagine if as I'm lying there, I thought to myself, man, nothing can separate me from the love of that guy. <laughs> I mean, his love for me is so Deep. Can you imagine thinking that? You're lying down there, you're seeing stars. It's like, no, I think not. 
But that's exactly the situation here as Paul writes this passage of Scripture. His first introduction to Christianity, Jesus knocked him on his butt and blinded him. And he's lying there, dazed and confused, and Jesus tells him, you know, why are you persecuting me? Then he sends him to another man, and the man tells him, oh, Jesus told me to tell you, you are going to suffer greatly for your faith. Not really what you would describe as the beginning of a love relationship. But that was the beginning of Paul's relationship with Jesus, and then Paul writes this. I mean, something happened in between this knockout, uh, and this passage of Scripture. You can see from the Scripture that Paul is in a love relationship that is deep and profound. Nothing can separate us from God, from His love. Not hardship, not all, all of this stuff, not our worries, our fears. And, and here's the wonderful thing. The love relationship that Paul enjoyed and experienced is exactly the same love relationship that God wants to have with you. Exactly the same. The Lord pursues each and every one of us with a love relationship. And if there's a breakdown in the relationship, it's not because God has given up on you. Maybe you've got blinded by some things. It's not because God has given up on you. Something is out of alignment. You're not seeing it for what it is, and therefore you're not living it, and you're missing out on so much. And my prayer this morning, my prayer this morning is that your eyes would be opened to God's love, to Christ's love this morning, because you've got to get that right. If you don't get that right, nothing else will be right. That is the starting point that is so, so important. So initially, Paul was an enemy of Jesus. He's out chasing after the, the, the followers of, of Jesus, executing them, arresting them. But the Lord had a plan for Paul. He said, you're going to be my witness to the Gentiles, to those who are far from me and don't believe in me because you were far from me and didn't believe in me. And you'll get it, and I'm sending you to them. And you are going to suffer for your faith. But Paul surrendered to God's love. And he experienced God's power. God enabled him to do incredible acts of faith. And we've got so many letters in the Bible now that were written by Paul. It's the core of the New Testament. And through Paul's life, great honor was given to Jesus. And great honor was given to Paul too. And it was all made possible through the grace of Christ. So let's dive into this scripture a little bit, Romans 8. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You know, a question that, that comes up a lot, it's come up a lot lately too, if God loves me so much, why don't my prayers get answered? Why is my life such a mess? 
Why are these things going on? If God loves us so much, why is this world such a mess? It's a good question. It's a valid question. The difficulties and the challenges of life are not a measurement of God's love for us. The mess we live in is not a barometer of God's love. The fact that God loves us in the midst of this mess is a measurement of God's love. This is our making. This is our making. This is our decision to go down the roads that we've gone. And we've all gone down roads that we shouldn't go down, right? And we live in the consequences of those choices. And, And here's what makes it really difficult for us sometimes is that we all live in the consequences of each other's choices. You know, somebody gets drunk, gets in their car, heads out in their car, runs into a little four-year-old riding their bicycle for the first time, kills them. Did God do that? We live in the consequences of each other's brokenness. And sometimes we question God about that brokenness. God, why, 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 why? And God's looking down saying, yeah, I'm wondering the same thing. I set out the plan for you, and the plan was a good plan. And you said, hey, I got a plan. I'm going to take my plan. We make our choices, some good, some not so good, some really bad. And yet in the midst of this mess and sin, God still loves us. I think he's up there weeping just as we're weeping, looking down. Romans 5.8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Stuff is going to happen. God still loves you. Stuff is going to happen even when you're serving God. God still loves you. Sometimes it might seem like God's not listening to you. God still loves you. He loves you with a love beyond anything that you can imagine, anything that you can comprehend, and he pursues you with this love, and it is an everlasting love. Sometimes I wonder if we don't kind of get stuck in this loop that prevents us from living God's best. If God really loved me, He would do this, and he would do that, and he would sort out this. He would meet this need. He would do that thing. If he really loved me, why isn't he doing these things? And we hold back. Because we're waiting for God to answer our prayers our way. And the reason that, that we hold back is that we're not convinced that God has our best interest at heart. I read a great illustration. I'm reading a book called um, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I read it years ago, and I'm reading it again. And uh, he gives this illustration. He says, life is like a ladder leaning up against a wall. And we're all trying to get to the top of the ladder. And for some people, relationship is at the top of the ladder. God, would you just send me that person? I want that person. I just need that so much in my life. They've got it. They've got it. Why can't I have it? 
For others, it's about position or authority. Man, if I could just get that promotion at work, then I would get the respect that I need. For some, it's about stuff. Just need that better car, bigger TV, nicer sofa. I want the neighbors to look at my house and go, wish I had a house like that. For some, it's just simply acceptance. I just need to be accepted for who I am. Now, wouldn't it be tragic to reach the top and find that you had inadvertently placed your ladder against the wrong wall? You spend all your life trying to get to the top of this ladder to meet whatever need it is that you're trying to meet. And when you get to the top of the ladder, it was the wrong wall. You find the relationship that you've longed for for so much. Turns out it doesn't meet your need. It's just the same as all the others. You get to the top of the, of the, <laughs> of the pile of gold, and it doesn't meet your need. I wish I had just a little bit more. You get to the top of the corporate ladder, you're the big boss, maybe you're the president. I didn't get what I thought was there. You had your ladder against the wrong wall. One life to live. Don't put your ladder on the wrong wall. One life to live and you went up the wrong wall. Your relationship to God is the single most important aspect of your life. There's nothing else more important than your your relationship with God. And And if that isn't in order... Nothing else will be. You can chase after everything you want. You will not find what you're seeking outside of your relationship with God. And it's not that God wants to hold back you fulfilling your needs. I mean, what's wrong with wanting a loving relationship? Nothing. Nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with with desiring some respect? There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with wanting nice things? A vacation, a car that you know will start when you turn the key or press the button. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if those things take precedence over your relationship with God and and God's love for you, then something is out of order. Your, Your ladder is on the wrong wall and your needs will not be filled. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Whatever it is that you're after, you know, it's not money that you're after. It's what the money brings. You're you're searching for something. Seek first the kingdom of God and I'll take care of those things, he's saying. If you knew that all you had in your life was a relationship with God, would you be satisfied? If everything else was taken away from you, everything else removed from your life, except your relationship with God, would you be satisfied? That'd be hard, wouldn't it? I'm not standing up here any different than you. Uh, You know, my mind goes, nope. (laughs) I wish, but I struggle with it. 
A lot of people would say, well, you know, I want to have that relationship, but I also want to have a spouse and children. I want to have a nice house. I want to have a good job. I want to have a career, a nice home, friends. And as good as all of these things are, they cannot provide you what God intends to give you, which is himself and his love. I think if we could begin to get our heads around this love that God has for us, all those other things would pale in comparison. We wouldn't be seeking to lean our ladder up against other walls because there's only one wall we want. I want the God wall. I want the Jesus wall. Only God can fulfill the deep longings in our soul that we try to satisfy with other things. It comes back to him. So Paul continues. He says, And I am convinced that nothing can can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, meditate on that for a minute. Just think about that passage. This is, I'm, I'm going to read it again. Just think, this is incredible. I'm convinced that nothing... Not your past, not your worst moment, not your greatest shame. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels or demons, fears for today, worries for tomorrow, not the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, nothing in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If your relationship with God is at the deepest level that He intends, you're going to find enormous satisfaction in your walk with Him. And it'll be sufficient for all of your needs in life. To get there, though, means that you have to surrender and fully commit to his life. You have to surrender your agenda for your life to his agenda for your life because it's reciprocal. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. It goes back to those blocks. God's love, God's promise. God's promise, obedience. Obedience, God's love. To know his love means to trust him even when things don't work out. To know his love means to trust him even when he doesn't answer your prayers your way. To know his love means trusting that his plan for your life and the lives of those around you is better than your plan for your life. Don't lean your ladder against the wrong wall. He pursues us with this love, but we must surrender to this love. We must reciprocate this love. And God doesn't want to share. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. 
You will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. This is the beginning of it all, love. It's the ultimate building block that everything else works on. That's why we're starting here this morning. Jesus said, I am the cornerstone. I know I've said this many times. We all believe Jesus was a carpenter. He wasn't. The Greek word means builder. Every example that Jesus gives is of stone and he's a bricklayer. (laughs) You were created by God for an intimate relationship with him. And there is nothing in life that can satisfy your soul more than your relationship with God. You get that right, you get life right. Let me tell you something. This love has the power to change lives. This love has the power to bring light into darkness. This love has the power to bring hope into hopelessness. This love has the power to change death into life. But only if you respond to it and put it first. Now, you might be here today or or watching online, and you're thinking, I don't know if I've ever really experienced this love. I know about it, but I don't feel like I've ever really experienced it. And yet it's there all around you. King David in Psalm 23 said, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Ask God to open your eyes. If you've not really come to that place where you have experienced God's love, ask God to open your eyes. Because let me tell you, it is all around you. And you could be here today, and, and you used to feel it. Man, I was there at one time, and it slipped away. The worries of life, the fears of life, the temptations of life have drowned it out. And you're not feeling it anymore. And it's not just simply about feeling it, but that's certainly a part of it. Jesus, God created us as emotional beings to have feelings. And maybe you've gone off in in a different direction and you need to get back to God and you need to get back to His love. Let me tell you something. He is ready to welcome you back. The door is always open to God's love. And maybe you've never really entered into this love relationship. I'm going to do something different this morning. Um, I'm not big on altar calls. I know it's the Baptist thing. I'm supposed to have one every week, right? I maybe do one a year. I'm not big on altar calls, but here's what I know. I know that the biggest and most impactful changes in my life, personally, 
have come when I have publicly bowed before God. I know my wife used to send me off to, to men's retreats and promise keepers retreats because I'd come back different. When they offered up an invitation and God is, is speaking, I'd get up. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus. I thought people that responded to altar calls were just stupid. <laughs> Phony. Going for the emotion or this is what we do. And I remember that very first time I ever responded to Jesus and the guy was talking. It was in the um, curling rink. It was up in Canada. And he said, if, you're, if you've got that feeling going on in your stomach right now, your stomach is turning, that's the Holy Spirit working in you. And I remember feeling that. And Sandra had dragged me there. And she told me afterwards. She said, I looked at you and I knew. And when that man made the invitation for us to come forward and begin a relationship with Jesus, I was the first one out of my seat. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before God. So I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning to publicly come before God and bow to Him and ask Him to reveal His love to you if you've never felt it. God, would you open my eyes? Let me see what you have for me. I want your love, Jesus. I want your love, God. I want this so much. It, it's more important to me than anything else. My, my ladder has been on the wrong wall. I want my ladder to be on the right wall. God, would you change it for me? Maybe your prayer is I need to start over. I need to restart. I need to get back on track. If that's your prayer today, I'm going to invite you to come on that right now. If that's your prayer, if you want to know God's love fresh, I'm going to invite you to come on down. Don't let anything stop you. When you acknowledge God before men, God will acknowledge you. Jesus will acknowledge you before God. Jesus, I want you to fill me with your love. I want to live for you. I want a new way in my life. If that's your prayer, I'm going to keep on here. I'm going to ask you again. If that's your prayer, get up and come on down before God. It starts with God. It ends with God. It begins with us saying to God, I am in. I need your love. I want your love. Fill me, God. And maybe you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. You're online. You're watching this. And you're thinking, what's the guy talk, talking about? Step one, I believe. I believe in Jesus. Oh, I'm struggling with belief. God, would you give me the faith to believe? I need Jesus' forgiveness. I need a change of heart. Jesus, would you come into my life and forgive me and change me? That's step one, that simple prayer. Matthew 11, 28 and 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. 
Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I'm going to give one more invitation. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you, I want you to get up out of your seat and come forward right now and bow before God. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. A love that is beyond anything that we can begin to understand. Father, I thank you for each one that has come forward this morning. And I pray that you would open up their eyes to your love, Father. And I know there are some sitting out there that are praying this prayer. That you would open up your eye, their eyes to your love, Father. Father, give us the strength to put aside our agenda. To take up your agenda. We want to live for you. We want to know your life. We want to know your love. like prayer later just come and see me so let me give you something practical here for everybody take time this week to be with God seek him in prayer not just when you need something seek him in prayer thank him Thank Him for His love. Seek Him in the Word. I want to challenge each and every person here and online to learn this Scripture and meditate on it. And as you read through it, read it from the perspective that the prayer is for you. This is somebody praying this for you and meditate on what each line would mean to you enable you to live a life worthy of his call what does that mean to you that you would have the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do father i want to align my faith with you i want my ladder against the right wall so that this is from you so that the name of our lord jesus would be honored by the way you live and you're honored because of him God, I thank you because I believe it starts with you. You're the one that gives me the power. You're the one that gives me the ability. You're the one that prompts this in the first place. It begins with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. So seek him in the word. Seek him in obedience. Anytime you step out in love, you make a commitment, God is going to give you opportunity to show that it's real. He's going to do something, and he's watching you. And when you step out in obedience, do you know what you get? Love. You got it anyway, but all of a sudden it's like, wow, God. And seek him in the fellowship of other believers. 
and you will begin to know him as he draws you into or back into a love relationship. God wants to take ground in your life this year. Let him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I give you thanks again. I thank you for this service. I thank you for each person that you've brought here. I thank you for the ones who are watching online. And Father, as as we go from here, I pray that these words would not just be empty words, Father, that you would just continue to work in our hearts, open our eyes, that we may see your love, that we may know your love, that we may experience your love, and that we may respond to your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mr. Moe is going to come up and finish. I have a question for you, though. Um, Is that a Buick? Who drives a Buick or a Pontiac? Anybody lose some keys? We've had these keys for weeks. I've been walking around parking lots looking for a new car. (laughs) I've had no luck. But if those are your keys or you know someone that's lost those keys, send them my way. Sir. Thank you, Pastor Mike. What an inspiring message today. And I tortured.